Good evening, everyone. Please sit comfortably. Um, for those of you who might have been here um, last week, um, the first talk I gave this year was the importance of um, looking at taking refuge in the three treasures. The three treasures is Buddha, Dharma and Sangha. Um, what I was saying last week is I found that I was reluctant to give talks on that in the past because um, it sounds too religious and that people can get the wrong idea of what taking refuge in those things are. It's not a place of, um, of complete safety, in a sense, right? as though it's something to cling to like a belief, do you know, um, where it covers over all of our insecurities in some kind of way, in a false way. Um, it basically, the whole practice is about, um, in an emotional sense, is about um, understanding the fears that run our life and looking into those fears so those fears don't run our life like they used to. Um, but one other aspect that I want to emphasise too about taking refuge in the Buddha, Dharma and Sangha is taking refuge in the Buddha's teaching and the, 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 the set of teachings and the teacher of a group who who, who um, is taking that leadership role and in a group is that we do take refuge in the precepts and that's a very important part of practice. So anyone who is a teacher um, um, who's going to be a teacher in the true sense of the word needs to be someone who keeps the precepts right, of not harming, not exploiting people and so on. And the same is true of the Sangha, is that we take refuge in a group that is aspiring to keep those precepts of wealth as well. We're not here to manipulate others, to exploit others, to be better than others, but to co cooperate together. And that creates a kind of a, a safe, solid platform um, in which a true refuge can, can develop. And then we, if that's there as a foundation, we can go deeper into the fears that run our life. Um, last year, you may remember in um, the Sydney Morning Herald on the weekend, there was a, um, an article, a long article, a very good article, um, about Buddhists behaving badly. Remember everyone reading that? Mm -hmm. Which was about um, the uh, shenanigans of Sogyal Rinpoche mm -hmm. and the Dalai Lama making a, a very important point that it's, it's important who you choose as a teacher. Um, and it's all very well to have crazy wisdom, you know, traditions and so on, but we can see that they're often not crazy. Um, they're, well, they're not wise, put it that way, they're just crazy. Um, and that uh, Sogya Rinpoche is one example of someone who, I've met him. Um, he was a, a wonderful man, a wonderful, intelligent, gentle man when I met him. But obviously what was exposed is not keeping the precepts. If that doesn't happen, there's no refuge. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an important part of the practice, um, that we're actually coming together with a, um, a common value system which is about creating harmony, not creating disharmony. But what This talk is, in a way, an extension of last week's talk because I want to go into the nature of fear a little bit more 
and about how that can play itself out in our life and how it can also play itself out in the way that we relate to a teacher or we relate to a group. Now, the place that we start from in our practice, but which is really at the core of the Buddha's teachings, is that all human beings, to one degree or another, are caught in the self-centred dream. And we're identified in this very narrow way with our thoughts and feelings and I, me, mine. And the idea is to see through that that in a sense it never really existed in the first place and we wake up out of that self-centred dream. That's the core of the practice. And there's two different ways, there's two different characteristics, if I could simplify it, that come out of, for all of us, you know, in being caught in the self-centred dream. And those characteristics can be polar opposites. And one is arrogance and the other one is timidity. Now, arrogance is more obvious to see. You know, arrogance is when we think that we're better than other people and therefore we can exploit them or manipulate them um, and be superior in some kind of way. It's really obvious that that's a, a really clear way in which the self-centred dream manifests itself. But sometimes what is not quite so clear, and, and it may shock some of you to hear me say it, but timidity is also a symptom of being caught in the self-centred dream. Mm -hmm. So arrogance is when we're sort of um, boldly putting ourselves out there and we think we're, we're better. But timidity is kind of that, so it's an over-inflated position, right? But timidity is an under-inflated position, right? And within timidity, there is a lot of fear. My hunch is in arrogance, there's a lot of fear too. Just, that's just the way it manifests as a defence or a compensation. But at the core of all of our practice is actually looking into fear and how fear runs our life. Because if we're caught in the self-centred dream and we're identified with this very narrow sense of self that it's something we've got to protect or it's got something we've got to um, uh, hold on to in some kind of way, so as an emotion, fear goes hand in hand with that. And there's many people who can take up meditation practice of all different kinds and they can meditate for years and years, often by themselves, or they, they, they come along to a group and they sit in the corner, they don't really relate to anyone or the teacher or anything like that. And yes, you can get a calmness out of it, but you never end up facing your fears. So you never really mature in the practice mm -hmm. and um, that that timidity can can run our lives not just in a you know zen sense but it's really it's just a reflection of how our lives can can be run by that fear that's running there all the time sometimes when people hear me say the word fear they think it's oh i'm not fearful um, or there's not fear running my life, the word might sound too strong. Right? Well, it's, I'm distressed, you know, or a bit anxious or whatever. But underneath, fear is, as my teacher Joko said, is basic, it's our most primitive and basic emotion. Mm -hmm. And all kind of Dharma practice is about having the courage to see that and to look into it, not to look away from it. 
Because like I said, you can do meditation year after year after year and quietly. All the, Zen, all the old Zen books look at this issue and point it out. You can sit there quietly, not really relating to anyone or to anything, and you go into your own quiet little bubble, but your fears remain unexamined. And so there's no depth, there's no maturity actually develops in the practice and you remain fearful mm -hmm. um, of all kinds of things. Fear of intimacy, fear of speaking up, um, fear of just being yourself, whatever it might be. So if the, if the Dharma practice is to really um, be something that um, transforms our life, um, that's what we need to do. We need to acknowledge it when fear is there. And then, then instead of escaping from it to seek false refuge in our lives in whatever that might be, whether it's in over-entertainment, whatever it might be, um, our practice is always to, to acknowledge it. And as one Australian novelist once said, is that courage is fear running in the right direction. Right? So you can run away from fear or you can face into it and see into it. Um, and then if you use meditation practice in that way, then you really will find that your life does change. And if you look back over years of doing practice, if I look back over years of, of my practice, which is, I don't know, 40 years or something, I can see levels of fear that were there before I started, five years into when I did it, 10 years into doing and they drop away. You look back and you go, oh, it doesn't bother me like it used to. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean, it does mean engaging in the practice where you often have to look into what's unpleasant mm -hmm. and look at what's unpleasant in yourself. And that is the essence of one of Joko's um, readings in there, the cocoon of pain. Cocoon of pain? which outlines all the different ways in which we try to um, not experience any unpleasantness in our life. And as she says at the end of that little talk, is that true practice begins when we give up all those strategies of trying to evade the unpleasant. So, in summary, um, for practice to, to really work, meditation is really at the core of it and lots of it an intense practice, um, but it's also engagement with the, with the, the your fellow practitioners and a teacher in some way so that you, you examine those fears and you move through them. In that way, then you really start to become free or freer in your life. You don't stay stuck. <laughs>